0: Well, happy Wednesday, everyone. Uh, I hope your week is going as well as it can, and uh, I hope everyone is staying healthy and safe, as always. Uh, Coming to you today, uh, because this is Wednesday, and we don't have our midweek Lenten services, so I'm going to send everyone out a message on the topic that we were going to cover in our midweek Lenten services. Uh, It is kind of a shame we had a really neat kind of thing going Uh, With our services, we had everybody up front, we had the chairs moved around, and we even had interactive, hands-on things we were trying. It was kind of fun. We had a thing with candles, and um, so we had lots of creative things we were doing, but of course we needed to stop to keep everybody distant. So I thought I would continue to bring you messages as best I can, and we'll record these. And um, so I hope you're staying Uh, in touch as much as you can with uh, the people in the congregation. I guess it's a silver lining that we do have this uh, pandemic in a day when we also have the internet. So we can uh, call one another, we can message and contact one another to stay in touch. I know loneliness and isolation can be maybe some of the hardest parts, uh, that and the boredom, uh, and of course the uncertainty about work and the economy as well. Uh, But Anyways, we are going to continue as a church here at Lord of Grace to try to offer things. I'm going to continue with meetings via Zoom. Zoom is just an app you can download uh, on the internet. I think it's zoom.us. And you can do video conferencing. And you can do that for your own meeting. You could do that with a Bible study. And you could do that with your grandkids for that matter. But I'm going to set up a few of those. I hope you'll check those out We'll put up the links on uh, the on our Facebook page as well as on our website. So, hope you'll be able to stay in touch. And, of course, as always, check your email. That's the most important thing. We can get our best messages out there. You'll probably get a lot more now than you would have before. We really don't want to spam people, but it is the best way for us to keep in touch. So, anyways, this, we'll, we'll get started here. Uh, this week, we've been... We have been going through the I Am statements in the Gospel of John. And this week's I Am statement is from chapter 14. It's I Am the Way and the Truth and the Life. And of course, one could write books about this. But what I'm going to do is starting out is I'll start out by reading it for you in case you're in your car or listening wherever you are. Uh, You feel free to fast forward if you don't want to listen to the whole text. I would encourage you to keep a Bible in front and make it easier to follow along. And you can reference what I'm saying with the text. You can study that a little bit closer if you'd like. So John chapter 14, we're going to start at verse 1. Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip? the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and, in fact, will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. John 14, chapter, verses 1 through 12. So there we go. Uh, this is another one of those passages that has that same pattern that you see in the Gospel of John over and over and over. And it's the one where someone comes up to Jesus and they ask him a question. And Jesus gives them an answer, but they don't understand it because Jesus is speaking with metaphors and symbols and spiritual imagery, and they're thinking literally. And this keeps coming up over and over. In the Gospel of John, it's almost as if Jesus is trying to get everyone to see things in a new light and in a new way, and they're all stuck on literal thinking. And Jesus keeps telling them all these bigger truths, these deeper truths, but they get stuck on the image he's he that he uses to explain those truths. It would be a little bit like me saying, in order to ride into the sunset, you have to get back on the horse when you're bucked off. And someone says, so Lars, are you saying I have to go out and buy a horse and then irritate it till it kicks me off and then get back on, and then ride westward? That's a lot of work. Can't I just get in my car? I mean, you really think everyone needs to buy a horse? And I would roll my eyes and say, if you only knew the horse I talk about, and the sunset I'm pointing to, you wouldn't even bother asking me about horses. And we would go back and forth. I'm saying that to succeed and to move into a place of security or, say, retirement, whatever, uh, a place of a more comfortable, secure station. You have to be prepared to fail and try again. You have to not be deterred by setbacks, but keep doing it. And I don't care if you literally buy a horse or not. That's not the point. Though I'll bet there's nobody who's ever ridden a horse and not fallen off. But this is Jesus' problem. He's trying to talk about these godly things, and he's using simple images to help people understand. And they get stuck on the image, not the bigger picture that Jesus is pointing to. So, this time, uh, here in chapter 14, we get Jesus sitting with his disciples, and he's getting closer to the end of his life, and he's telling them that they shouldn't be all worried. And I, I believe they were worried. They gave up everything to follow him, And we certainly get the indication that they really believed Jesus was going to make an earthly earthly kingdom, no matter how many times he told them that wasn't how it works. And so they've been following him year after year, and they're still not seeing any earthly kingdom, and they're thinking ahead about how's this all going to end, and, yeah, they're a little bit nervous. We all know about the uncertainty of not knowing what the future is going to bring about where we're going to end up and if we're going to make it. Uh, Jesus is trying to tell them that he's giving them something much bigger than anything here. He's telling them about a life with God the Father. He's talking about a life in union with God. He's talking about an end to the pain and the loneliness and uncertainty that you're facing now. But how in the world do you talk about that? How do you talk about what it's like to be united with the creator of the universe in that way. You have to use images and metaphors and symbols. You have to use things that we can see to point to the things we can't. So he talks about it like a, whore, like a house. The Father has many dwelling places in his house. And this is where usually our minds, and often the preacher sermons, Will start conjuring up some sort of episode of MTV's Crips, you know, where you mansion picture. There's you know some fluffy place full of clouds, and uh, there's these big gaudy mansions with uh, hot tubs in the backyards, and big screen TVs, and a butler named Winchester who brings you stuffed mushrooms and mojitos. So heaven must be a place with a giant palace filled with rooms do we have to share showers probably not huh because if you know a lot of big houses they don't all have a shower in every room but if they all have a shower then I guess it's more like a big hotel so it would be like in my father's hotel there are lots and lots of rooms and they all have showers and they all have soft toilet paper And in my father's house, there is much toilet paper. And if it were not so, I go, I tell you to buy more toilet paper. And you can get it without waiting in line. Except that the word used isn't the word. The word used for house is not the word uh, for palace or mansion. Remember, the New Testament's written in Greek. And so it's Greek words. So, the word that Jesus is using, it's pronounced "skeno."o o It's the word for tent. And it's the word for the kind of a tent that desert nomads would build. And there, in the Middle East, there's a lot of uh, desert nomads, a lot of people who live a nomadic and semi-nomadic life. Uh, we think a lot of the Jewish people did for a long time. And the, their their house, their tent would look to an outsider like a giant bunch of sticks and poles and tarps and hides, and and it would not look like a coordinated mess. It's or, or It would not look coordinated to our Western eyes. To us, it would look like a mess, except that that's just coming from where we are. It's a, they're actually very well designed, and they're perfectly designed to keep cool and stay strong and be portable and have lots and lots of people in them. Uh, these are... You know these are big tents. These are RV size tents when they were set up, and this is not just you know a little polyester Coleman. Uh, it's a and it's a movable tent, and in the Middle East you would put your whole darn family in there—aunts and uncles and you name it. It was not each person got a solitary tent. We moved and we set up one of these big contraptions, and we all lived in there. So I know know when I first found out that this whole father's uh, house line was more like your father's giant tent or your father's yurt, it was a little bit freeing and scary at the same time because it threw off my image of what Jesus was talking about. Instead of a physical place where you die instead of my giant gaudy palace in the sky, Jesus could be talking about a place here and now, a place among us. So being in the Father's tent is something that we experience starting now. There is a precedent for this in the Bible, if you want to go back. Uh, Originally, there was no stone temple in Jerusalem for people to worship in. The Jewish people came out of slavery in Egypt and they wandered around and uh, they had, instead of a stone temple, they had a really big tent called the tabernacle and it was collapsible and it moved with the people. And the book of Exodus will give you, if you want to look it up, uh, ridiculously detailed descriptions of it, I mean down to the the threads and the colors of the threads and the measurements and the pots you put in it and on and on in, in very, very precise detail. Uh, which is why we can reconstruct it pretty accurately. But the idea of God setting up camp among us is not a new idea, and it shouldn't have been that hard for the disciples to figure out. Jesus is kind of saying that he's going to prepare a place for you in the big moving family tent. And it's a big moving family tent that God lives in. And whereas with the old tabernacle, Tent that only God lived in, and never people. Now it's one big tent for all of God's people. Jesus is preparing us a place in God's presence to dwell with God, to know God, and to live with God. And he doesn't say you have to die first. All you have to do is follow Jesus. The way isn't a literal path. It's a way of life of living with Jesus and living like Jesus. And and look at this closely when you look at the text. Jesus says, And you know the way to the place where I am going. You know the way. You, the disciples already know, he's saying. There is no special five-step process to learn. There's no treasure map that he's going to point you to. There's no clever trick that Jesus will let you in on if you get to level 12 of scanning or something. You already know. And you know because you're looking at him. Jesus is the way. It isn't a literal path. It's a relationship and a way of life. Thomas then says to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. Thomas, you need to quit looking for a manual. You already have it, and you're looking at it. Now, I get why this is a struggle to understand. Jesus says he's preparing for us to dwell with God now, and the way to it is him. It'd be easier if he had laid out his six laws or four paths or 18 secrets or nine tools to the Father, then we would have a simple list of do's and don'ts, and we could just follow those particular things and be done and go to heaven. But Jesus is always very resistant to give a manual like that. Because a manual is impersonal. What Jesus is inviting us into is personal. It's a family, a relationship, a way of living. It's a lot harder in some ways than the manual, because it is so all-encompassing. But that's the beauty of it. Jesus is the way. He's not writing down a new way. He's inviting us into it with him. So then, of course, you get to the end and go, okay, Lars, Well, but where do I start? Well, I can start with my connection to Jesus myself. What I can do, as as much as there's anything that I can do, I can open myself up to the Spirit and let the Spirit speak. Prayer is your best tool on this. And after that, you have to let the Spirit guide you. You have the Gospels, read those. And now, of course, that everyone's stuck at home for the foreseeable future, we have lots of time to ponder what it means for God to be here among us pitching this tent. I hope that can become some sort of silver lining for us that even though there's all the uncertainty about the economy, uh, and I'm already having people coming to me and asking me about, you know, being laid off from work and needing assistance. So the economy's already the already economy's already suffering. But we might not have much control over that. But we can take advantage of the time to look again into our spiritual lives and the things that matter. The church has never been the building, the church is the people. And since we can't do much in the building, we can spend more time with God in our homes, and in our cars, and in our backyards, and in our lives. Amen.